be happy. Hi everybody, hi Arthur. I just sent you an invitation to come on stage. Hey, hey John. Can you hear, hey, me? Can you hear me? Arthur, can you hear me? Yeah. Perfectly. Can you hear me well? There's some scratch on your microphone, maybe. What about now? It's much better, much better. Okay, I was just adjusting. Okay. Okay. Let me just double check something. Oh, then I cannot join. Okay. Hi, G. Let's bring G on. Okay, here we are. Hi, everybody. Uh, we will start the recording in two minutes, uh, just to introduce you the the concept. Hi, G. Thank you for being there. Hey, what's going on? Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, thank you for being there. Yeah, just to let you know. So usually, you know, we do the podcast in the morning in the Europe. So uh, we have the, the crowd is used to come in the French morning, but uh, basically most of the people record it uh, as a podcast on Spotify. And uh, we just use Twitter space as a place to record. So if you're okay with you, if it's okay with you, we'll just uh, uh, do uh, start the recording in uh, one minute from now. And then, you know, the podcast will be online uh, later tonight or tomorrow morning. All right. Awesome. Sounds great. Uh, we just do some, uh, we have a small uh, tradition before we start the recording is that to do a small sound test, you know, on your side, but feel like it's perfect. But just, you know, can you share with us, you know, two or three sentences, maybe your morning routine. So we can uh, just do the, the listen if everything is okay in terms of sound. Yeah, sure. So my, mo my morning routine is I'll usually wake up, um, Sometimes I'll meditate, um, then I'll go get a cup of coffee, and then I'll go for a walk on the beach. That's usually how I meditate and uh, how I start my mornings, how I try to start, start my Sounds mornings. Sounds like perfect morning routine, you know, meditation, walk on the beach. Uh, that's awesome, and the sound is perfect also. So I think, you know, Arthur, uh, we, can, we will be able to start, you know, in a few seconds. I see it. Okay, great, great, great. So I will do the intro and then introduce you. So if you're ready, just let me just check something on my side. Everything is perfect also. So three, two, one.
Good morning, good morning. Welcome everybody to the NFT morning. Today is the March 15th and we are recording the episode number 456 actually. And uh, yeah, today, you know, we are in English as you can hear because we have the chance and we are really happy to have a special host, Arthur. Arthur, how are you? Hey guys, GM, GM. I'm great, John. How are I'm you? I'm great. I'm great. So yeah, can you tell us, you know, can you introduce us with our guest today? Yeah, happy to do it. Um, first of all, thank you for being here. Uh, our guest is G-Money and G-Money is a risk taker. And for the ones that don't know, uh, G-Money comes from a financial background. He has shown an interest in the stock market from a very, very young age and he went on to become a successful trader. Now Gmoney is focusing uh, mainly on his business ventures like Admit1 and 9DCC, which we'll get into more detail later in this interview. But above all, I think uh, what everyone sees Gmoney has is uh, an educator, a successful investor, uh, and a visionary. Woo! So, so welcome, welcome Gmoney. Hi, how are you? <laughs> how are you, my Thank man? Thank you. Thank you, thank you for having me on. I, I appreciate you guys taking the time. Uh, we appreciate you for being there, and uh, you know it's a big pleasure. So, you know, if you're okay with that, you know the idea really to talk about you. We'll talk about the, you know digital fashion, of course. We we'll talk about cool stories, but you know, yeah, maybe there are some people here. You know, I don't know, but they may have some people who have no idea. But who's Jimoni? Uh, what we like to ask just before, I think maybe Arthur, you know, you want to. To jump on that, but more maybe the background uh, background info. You know, it's really interesting how, how you ended up into this space, basically. G. Okay, yeah. So um, the way I ended up into the space, basically, at the beginning of I, I've been in crypto since 2017, and um, I remember in in early 2018, I was like, "This technology is really incredible. It's going to change the world, but it's still too early." And at that point, I sold everything I had that was liquid, and I said I was, I was going to keep an eye on, on the market, but in the meantime, I was going to go back to trading. And in, in the beginning of COVID at 2020, there, you know, obviously COVID starts, lockdown hits, and I start playing Fortnite. Uh, I hadn't played a video game in over 10 years, and I start playing Fortnite. I'm playing with my friends. Uh, one of them has a 12-year-old nephew. And the first thing that this kid asked me is, what skins did you buy? And I'm like, skins? You know, they're like, this, this skin doesn't give me any special powers. There's no way I'm buying any skins. And, you know, fast forward a couple weeks later, I'm buying a bunch of skins. And, you know, I, I, I realized that that kid's 12 years old today. 10 years from now, he'll be 22. Um, he'll, he'll have his own disposable income. And he'll be totally okay with owning a purely digital asset. So I said, there's this massive super cycle that's going to be here. I don't know how it's going to play out and I don't know how to harness it, but I know it's coming. And, you know, when, when the day that, um, the central bank, you know, and, and it's funny, we're talking about this right now, considering what's happening on the global macro over the last, you know, five to seven days is, you know, the day that Powell came out and said that he was buying pretty much every asset out there. I wired a, a bunch of money over to, to Coinbase, bought a bunch of Ethereum and started going back down the crypto rabbit hole. And I was relearning everything in DeFi that I had missed. I was like, holy shit, people have built stuff uh, pretty quickly. 
right? And you know, the it didn't take five to seven years, which is how long I thought it would take. It, it was actually taking two to actually build cool stuff. So I was I was relearning DeFi. I was I was relearning the things that I had missed in crypto. And really it was at the end of DeFi summer of twenty twenty. So in August of twenty twenty that I find NFTs. And I'm like and they immediately made sense to me because I was playing Fortnite, right? And I was like, whoa, this is your skin on Twitter, on Telegram, on Discord. You know, this is this is gonna be massive. And and that's when I really started going down the rabbit hole uh, of NFTs. That's awesome. Um, and me personally, like I'm super interested in you and what I wanted to touch on, like uh, all of your backgrounds, uh, because what is not being said, uh, but... Uh, you have repeatedly proven that you are able to support amazing opportunities. So you started in the stock market at a very young age. Um, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but you bought Apple calls like very early. Uh, I think you shorted the housing market right before it crashed, which is insane. And then again, you went on to buy Ethereum when it was uh, insanely cheap. And just the fact that uh, you, you were playing Fortnite with, with a nephew of your friends, uh, and you're able to look at this, um, the way he is buying skins at such a, a, a macro uh, level. Uh, I mean, were you always like this? Did you always look at the macro level of things? Um, uh, how do you yeah. think? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, so, you know, I think... I think there's there's two things that I think I attribute to a lot of my success to is one is the like I, I think I'm very observant um, and you know I think the the Apple trade is is, is one of those perfect uh, perfect examples of that where I, I remember I was a I was a junior going into my senior year of college I was interning in New York City I was in the subway and this is in 2003 when the MP3 market was massively fragmented. Everybody had an MP3 player, right? Sony, Samsung, LG, Apple, like you name it. They, they were making MP3 players. But I noticed that everybody had these white headphones in their ears. And I was like, wow, like everybody, doesn't matter where, you know, they were old, young, teenagers, school, you know, working professionals, whatever, they all had it in. So again, as somebody that had always followed the stock market, I was like, there's, you know, there's something to be had here if you know more and more people are are buying this and are are sporting it then obviously that that's going to lead to positive earnings and you know at the time apple stock was really depressed um i bought the the 20 dollar calls when apple was 10 dollars and i bought them for 62 cents a share each and i sold them for 49 dollars a share each uh within 18 months and it was really just being observant, right? And and I think that that was that was one. And I think I've always been a very observant person as to in terms of what are people buying, what do they like, you know, what are the things that they're doing, and and then extrapolating that more to like how does that affect like the macro, right? Like who's making money off that? How does that affect business? So I, I think that was one, and and I think two, and I think this speaks to that Fortnite example is I I don't discriminate on who I can learn from. Right. I, I know that there's plenty of people that are younger than me that have so much more knowledge and depth of knowledge than I do in certain things. And, you know, there are people that are older than me that also have a kind of knowledge and wisdom that they can share. Right. And I think the mistake that I think a lot of people make as as we get older is we think that because somebody has spent less years on this earth than they have, that maybe they don't have anything to, to teach them. 
And I, I do think that curiosity has always helped me of, you know, obviously there's going to be things that I understand better than others and vice versa, but also being open to the fact that, you know, that kid that was 12 years old, like I learned, you know, I learned his patterns of like, you know, what, what does he value today? And, you know, just taking that out and extrapolating that is like, what will he value? What will he most likely value in the future because of that? And that's why, you know, I felt like I was able to spot NFTs. Like I wasn't the earliest, but I think I was, I was able to spot them relatively early because I was seeing that interaction happen in real time with, with those, you know, not just him, but him and his friends whenever we played. Well, that is awesome. And now that you entered the NFT space, uh, I believe you entered around 2020 uh, after the, the, the first Ethereum crash when um, NFT started popping off. Like, what do you feel, um, what, what has been your experience like and what have you done since you're in the NFT space? Um, I mean, I, I think... Uh, what my experience has been, I, I, I think really early on when, when I came into the space, I was just trying to find, it's funny because I was trying to find the next CryptoPunks. And uh, because I think at the time, CryptoPunks were around either $1,000 or $1,500 at the time. I was like, oh my God, it's too expensive. And I was I was going around trying to buy projects that I thought, especially in late 2020, the, the space was really, really small. And I my thesis was that most most um, most projects had a chance of becoming historically relevant because there weren't that many projects out there. So my thesis was I was going to allocate a certain amount to each project and hopefully some percentage of them would be successful. You know, maybe some would go to zero, some would break even, but the ones that were successful uh, would more than pay for the losers. And and that was my thesis going in. And it was it wasn't until I minted um, art blocks, the, the Chromie squiggles that, you know, I was in the squiggle discord, you know, talking about it and we were discussing it afterwards and Snowfro was in there and he's like, dude, what are you doing? Stop wasting your money minting squiggles Buy buy uh, you need to buy a crypto punk. And, you know, over the next few days, him and a couple other of the OGs in the space, um, uh, just really red pilled me on, on why I should buy punks. And it was really, you know, after I think two or three days, I bought a zombie, and then about a month later, I bought my ape, um, which which is now my PFP. Yeah, and then you went on and created this whole digital identity. I mean, you were one of the first people who actually gave a big. Um, uh, you created a whole big identity to your NFT, and uh, so I, I wanted to ask you, what is the G Money brand? Uh, the G, I mean, it's, it's basically me. I, I, I don't know what you mean by, by that in terms of, so yeah. I mean, like, um, why do you feel this responsibility to, to educate people and pro- proliferate and bring the space forward? Like, what is the G money brand about? Like, what do you want to do in the space? Yeah. So I think one of those, one of those things is really one educating. And then two is, I think blockchain decentralized blockchain technology is fundamental to human freedom in in the future and i think when you look at like any dystopian scenarios of the future a lot of it always looks very similar to there's either this small group of people or one person that gets to decide like the fate of humanity because they have control over some sort of technology and i think decentralized ledgers and blockchains 
allow people to retain as much sovereignty as they possibly can in a digital format. So when I look at, okay, how, I, how important do I think this is? I want to make sure that people are building on these decentralized rails as opposed to building on centralized rails, right? Because I do think that, you know, we've seen it uh, over the last few years where, you know, Meta, uh, you know, has come into the ecosystem and is uh, obviously recently left <laughs> over the last few days. And, you know, I think you see a lot of these big corporations really interested in it. And the thing that I think is really scary is that if, if we build something on their centralized ledgers, um, that to me isn't ultimately good for sovereignty in the future and, and individual freedom. So one of the reasons I, I work really hard to try to onboard people into the space is because I know that whatever products I'm working on and whatever projects I'm working with, they're, they're very much in line with that decentralized um, thought process. And that's, that's very much why I do a lot of the things that I do. Awesome. I, I love that because, I mean, it would be so much easier to just stay at home and be a successful trader, you know, make a bunch of money. Uh, but then again, I guess you, you went on and, and pursued a more fulfilling career. And, and now you're diving into luxury fashion, which is something I'm very interested in. Um, but I'm going to let John uh, go ahead and, and ask some more questions about that. No, that's great. Actually, you know, I think the first question, because I think you now nine DCCs, uh, you know, we'll talk, of course, about, you know, what you've been doing and the first, the two first iteration and maybe the next one that is com coming now. But uh, I think, you know, yeah, I think it's interesting also to see, you know, how you come from, I would say, uh, you know, a key profile in the space. I would say with uh, some influence and education to the the fashion world. You you had some interest into this world before. Yeah, I mean, I think pretty much everybody has an interest in fashion, even if they don't, right? I think fashion is a very individual thing, right? Where it's like I can choose how to express myself, and and vice versa, and you can choose how to express yourself. And I, I think it's really interesting. And one is uh, how people will style different things to express their individuality, but then also how wearing a certain, you know, piece of clothing can make you feel confident and make you give, make you feel like you have special superpowers, right? Like I'm sure everybody in here has like that one outfit, whether, or one pair of shoes or sneakers or something that they wear that they're like, they wear into like a big important meeting, right? Because it makes them feel more confident. And that could be the difference between closing a deal and not closing a deal, right? So I think fashion is, is something that's super personal. And I think that's something that's very more powerful than a lot of times than what we give it uh, to be. Because I think a lot of times people can be like, oh, well, it's just, you know, it's just something you wear to cover yourself. But I think it can be so much more than that, which is why I find it so interesting. I see, I see. And so, so you launched this uh, nine DCC brand. Uh, you know, I, I will just describe it. You know, uh, quickly for people you don't know. But so far, you did like two uh, iteration uh, T-shirts. So the first one, you know, that is a you know a black uh, black T-shirt uh, that was the first one for the community and the idea of the of this uh, outfit is that when you wear it, you know, it's, it's including a NFC chip. And so when people uh, meet you, you know, they can basically tap with their mobile phone and uh, collect a POAP, basically the POAP, uh, make it simple, I met John or I met uh, Arthur. And uh, and so you have an amount of POAP. So basically they are collecting 
because let's say the NFTs or they're collecting kind of a, uh, the, the, the moment uh, where you met the person. And so you did like two iterations. The first one uh, that is this black cover and the second one that you launched at Art Basel, during Art Basel uh, in collaboration actually with, uh, with Snowfro and Squiggles uh, that was also associated, you know, with um, a unique uh, derivative of uh, Krumi Squiggles. Uh, so you have this, we see that, uh, you know, I think you will correct me about all of this, of course, but we see though that, you know, there are like some t-shirts so far with some technologies inside and something personal. How would you describe the, the, the idea you have of the spirit of a 90cc? What is a 90cc basically? Yeah. So 90cc is a crypto native luxury lifestyle brand, right? And I think you, you described it very well. Um, for me, one of the fundamental experiences as a human is human connection, right? And connecting with each other. And I think one thing I saw coming out of COVID was that humans long to connect, right? Like we were stuck in our homes for <clears throat> a year, year and a half. And when, as soon as we as things opened up, people were, were running out the door to go meet each other IRL. And I saw this firsthand in, in the people that I met, but I also started seeing it firsthand in, okay, how can I help foster these connections? And that's one of the things that has been really interesting that, you know, I had my thesis around it of, you know, whether, you know, each, each shirt that, that you meet or any 90cc product distributes a POAP, which is basically proof that you met that product. And so then what, what does that mean when you can start creating your own social graph for yourself personally of people that you interact with and and connect with in real life. And then you can bring that on chain and, and what are the possibilities that can be done. And that to me is the stuff that gets really exciting. So I thought it would be exciting and, you know, coming out of Art Basel and, you know, we ran a World Connect event a few weeks ago in, in Paris and East Denver of people wearing the shirts and using that to connect with each other. And I've heard a, a couple times at this point um, from members of the community that, you know, they said, oh, I'm, I'm an introvert. I don't necessarily go out and, and meet a lot of people, but I have people coming up to me and I made new friends. I made new connections. And that to me is... What do you mean? by So they, they, they've been yeah. using it a kind of... Yeah. Uh, you've been played on kind of a gamification mechanism to let them scan more people's T-shirts, something like this? Yeah, so um, we recently ran a World Connect event and we ran... Uh, the first event, um, it was basically like a beta test because it was it was at Art Basel, Miami, where <clears throat> we had a leaderboard where the person that collected the most POAPs and the person that distributed the most POAPs, each won a prize uh, at the end of those five days. And what ended up happening was we were encouraging people to meet with each other, to meet up with each other and to scan each other's POAPs and to create those connections. And a lot, you know, and here's the thing is because the pull-ups, like when you scan a pull-up, it probably, the process takes maybe like five to 15 seconds, right? And it, it requires more than just a artificial, oh, hello, or hey, I like your shirt, right? Like you go up to them, you scan their pull-up while you're scanning their pull-up you generally talk to somebody, right? Like you're like, oh, what do yeah. you do? Like, yeah, you don't want to be, you, you don't want to be a jerk also. <laughs> right, exactly, right? So, but like, but then like, maybe that leads to a friendship. Maybe that leads to a business partnership, right? Like one of, one of my favorite stories was, uh, and this is way before I started 90CC, was 
I ran a POAP treasure hunt uh, at Bitcoin Miami in 2021. And there were these two people that met up at one of the spots and they ended up becoming business partners. They started a venture fund together, right? And, you know, that started because they happened to show up to that POAP event at the same place at the same time, started talking to each other and, and now they work together. And like, to me, it's like, how can I start to do that at scale to encourage people to meet up with each other with like-minded individuals to find, you know, you know, these connections that could lead to, you know, the next big innovation in technology or, or whatever, even if it's something on a personal level. But like, I, I think it becomes super important and super significant. And that to me is, has been really cool to hear those stories happen um, either at, at events or after the fact that people saying, oh, you know, I was able to connect with these people that I might otherwise not have connected with. And like, you don't know what's going to come out of that. Like, hopefully, like the next Apple is born out of it. Like, I think that would be really cool. So is the, the, the spirit of 90CC really the, I would say, uh, the networking or the, the ability to let people meet each other? Um, I think that's one aspect of it. I think to me, there, there were three things that I wanted to solve. Uh, first is I wanted to create an aesthetic that I wanted to wear. So that, you know, I'm, I'm known as G-Money, the crypto punk on the internet. That doesn't necessarily mean I want to walk around with a big picture of my ape on my, on my t-shirt, right? Like, I, how can I signal to the real world that I'm a crypto native, but do it in the style that I personally like? And, and that was one of the things I wanted to solve for. This, the second thing that I wanted to solve for was, you know, anytime I buy, you know, any, spend any amount of money, high, a decent amount of money on a high price good, I'd like to know how many of them exist, right? You know, is this one of a hundred or is this one of a hundred thousand? Uh, so that was the second thing I wanted to solve for. And the third was this community building aspect, which I think is, is really special. And I think we're starting to see, especially as we get more products out there, um, start to see like the network effects and the scaling of that and what that starts to look like in the real world as, as, as the community and the network grows. I see. I see. And so the, the vision, I would say, because I'm pretty sure that now you have like, you know, all of us are playing, experimenting, uh, you know, uh, figuring out, uh, you know, how to play with that. I'm pretty sure that you have a lot of ideas, you know, about how to bring 90cc to something, uh, yeah, something, uh, you know, major and become like a major brand in the future. Uh, how do you see what, what, what how, if I say that now we are like in a 2027 or something like this, uh, and, uh, you know, yeah, the brand has been developed. How would you describe the brand? Yeah. In, in five years from now or something like this. Oh man. Um, <laughs> I think that's a really, I think that's a really hard question to, to, to answer because I, I feel like one of the beautiful things about being a small organization is that we can pivot so quickly and adjust to, to market um, to, to market conditions very quickly. But if I were to if I were to project a few years out, you know, I'd, I'd want it to stand for you know very similar to the things that it stands for today, right? Where you know how you know if you see somebody wearing this, you'd be like, oh wow, like I know that that is a well-made garment. It is a high-quality product. But also, I know that that person is a crypto native, and that I can go up and talk to them about some anything in crypto because I know they're going to understand. I it, see. Right? And I, so I it's really like uh, analogy I, yeah. with uh, I, I would say like uh, I would say Vans, for example. When you see a Vans T-shirt, you know you are a skater. The idea is really to say, oh, 90cc. I know that 
is part of the community, something like this. Yeah, because I think, you know, like, how do you, how, when you go out, when you're out in public, how do you find other crypto people? True. Right? Like, it's, it, you know, it's like, how, how can we find a way to flag ourselves in public and not make it so gaudy or in your face, right? Like, if I, you know, I, I obviously, if I see somebody with a board ape hoodie, you know, it, send, it sends a signal and, you know, maybe, maybe I want to talk to that person, maybe I don't. But like to me, I'm trying to cultivate this community where I want people to want to interact with each other. Where it's like, oh wow, like you're you're in the crypto space. What do you do, right? Like maybe a conversation starts and a friendship is made or a business relationship. And I think that that is really the power of being able to identify people out in the real world that are crypto native without having to be you know behind a screen in order to make that connection. And I think then once once that starts to happen more and more, it starts to become super super powerful. Uh, I do want to say that is working because every NFT event I go, there's always someone scanning the 90cc shirts and I, I think it's so awesome, man. Yeah, I mean, to, to add to that, I was, I was at the Beeple studio opening this past weekend and I was, I, I mean, I wore my, my, my 90cc shirt to the party and I thought I was going to be the only person and I was really pleasantly surprised that I, I saw five or six shirts running around the party and it made me feel good. And, you know, a couple of them were also iteration twos and Snowfro. literally the first thing he said to me when he saw me, he's like, Oh my God, people are wearing the squiggle shirt. Like, you know, like he, every time he sees it out in the wild, like he feels great. And I like, it's just, it's really awesome. You know, especially talking to somebody as accomplished as Snowfro and all the amazing things that he's done both personally and for the space. And to see that excitement that he gets when he runs into people wearing his shirt and like, geeking out over it like it's just i think it's just really cool and i think we're just in the really early stages of of what it is that that we're trying to build at 90cc and i think the sky is really the limit no that's pretty cool that's pretty cool and i i uh i, I think uh yeah i saw so i was there actually i think i met you quickly also uh at the people event and uh and uh, yeah, I saw several people wearing the the T-shirt, so that's that's extremely cool. And so we've been talking about the very long term, but maybe you can talk about more short termly. Can we expect uh, when can we expect the iteration number three from the ninety CC T-shirt, ninety CC brand? Yeah, so iteration three is going to be happening uh, on April twelfth um, at the beginning of NFT NYC, where we're taking over a bodega for a day. Um, more information will be coming out uh, either later this week or early next week, but I'm really excited about it. I've been teasing it a little bit. It's a hat. And uh, more information will be coming out uh, around that pretty soon, but I'm looking forward to it. So we can expect. I think it looks sick, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw it. It's like baseball cap, right? Yeah, it's, it's, um, we have a couple different colorways. Uh, I, I was. I posted a picture of me wearing it in black. Uh, Farouk, uh this past weekend saw me wearing uh, the, the the bright pink one, and uh, he he uh, quote unquote stole it. Uh, so he's been he's been rocking it for the last few days. But it's 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 been cool. I'm I'm really excited about it, and um, I'm really happy with like the quality of it and how it came out. And I, I'm just I'm just really excited. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So we can we we stay we stay tuned, you know, to see uh, to check, you know, for the next announcement and the condition to have it. I believe you will communicate soon about it, right? 
Yep, that the the communications will be coming out pretty soon because um, we want people to make sure that they don't miss the event if they if they want to be a part of it. And you know, we're we're also doing a treasure hunt along with it and a lot of cool stuff. So I, I think if if people are on the fence about coming, I I'm hoping I I create enough FOMO for you to come. As I saw there is a, a me bit. You can get a me bit or something like this. Right, if I'm not wrong. No, not a Mibid, a, uh, a Squiggle. Oh, Squiggle, wow, um, yeah. Right. Yeah, Squiggle. Even yeah. better, okay. Even better, yeah. Wow, that's great. <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah, so part of um, one of the prizes of the treasure hunt is, is going to be an unminted Squiggle that Snowfro has, has graciously um, offered uh, to, to a possible winner. So it's, it's going to be fun. And I think if people are, are on the fence about coming to New York, uh, I hope this put, throws you over the fence and, and you come. As a native New Yorker, I'm I'm really excited to kind of come back home and and showcase. This is great. I think we have. A... Hey Arthur, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we lost G. G, are you there? Hey, sorry, I had a somebody oh, tried. Okay. Am I back? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, you're back. Perfect, yeah, perfect. Yeah, cool. Okay, yeah. no, thank you. That's great. No, no, that's pretty, pretty exciting. And uh, we can't wait to see, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, how things will happen, you know, with this. Uh, just, you know, as we are talking, you know, because you are no kind of, a, I would say, NFT digital fashion, you know, you are the, the, the one, of the, maybe the most famous face, you know, for NFT and fashion. Uh, you've been also, you know, you've been involved at the beginning of the uh, Adidas campaign. Uh, you you are in touch with a lot of traditional luxury brands. Uh, can we expect more collabs also with uh, these kind of brands? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the goal. Um, I, I have a lot of, I always have a lot of cool and interesting conversations happening. It's just the nature of uh, how legacy brands work is, you know, they, they, they work very slowly. Right. And so even for them working at the speed of light is still um, many, many months. So uh, a lot of these conversations just take a really long time to progress, but I feel like I've been having a lot of po a little, a lot of really positive conversations on uh, people and companies that are interested in the space. Okay, so uh, I guess, yeah, we, we know how is it, you know, to work with corporate and uh, also brand, especially because it's even more complex because, you know, they, they want to, they need to control what they are doing and be sure of the impact of everything they're doing. Uh, but I wanted to have you, you, your views also, because of course, you know, as you're talking with a lot of luxury brand, you see also some brands, you know, doing their own path, uh, their own path, you know, uh, in the web three. Uh, you know, a lot of people are a bit like uh, skeptical, I would say, about uh, brands who are trying to do things. Uh, what are your views? Uh, what, what did you see? What is it? Maybe, you know, one of the interesting brands, you know, that you saw in the space. That are coming in from the legacy. Yeah, world, coming from the legacy world. Yeah. I think uh, what Tiffany did was really, really interesting. Uh, I think that you know, the way that they executed that. And I think when you take a look at the target market that, that they, they went after, uh, you know, and I can put myself in that market where if you had asked me a year ago, would you spend $50,000 on a piece of jewelry from Tiffany's 
that was for yourself and not for um, a significant other, I probably would have told you no. Yet I was, you know, one of the first people to go out and, and, and buy that, that pendant. And I think that that becomes a really interesting case study of saying, it's like, hey, how would we, uh, you know, identify what the Web3 consumer is like and, you know, create things for them that they actually want, right? And not necessarily create things that uh, they don't necessarily want. So I, I think what Tiffany did there was really interesting and compelling. And I, I think that's probably one of the better one of the better case studies that I've seen of uh, legacy brands coming into this space. I agree with you. And, uh, okay, uh, we don't want you to name or to shame any company, but what do you see in uh, legacy brands that are doing their launch that are, you know, the big fail, I would say, or the big mistakes that companies are doing when they're trying to go in this space? Uh, yeah, I would say the big mistake that they make is that they don't listen. Uh, to the feedback that they get uh, from people that are in the space, whether it's people that they're working with as advisors or consultants or just, you know, people that they're paying and and not and thinking that because they have a large brand that they know better. I feel like you are talking about a car manufacturer. But uh, yeah, I, 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 I agree. I, I, I'm I'm not talking about anybody in particular. <laughs> but... <laughs> yeah. No, no, yeah, of course. No, no, but that, that's the point, yeah. They don't know everything and uh, they need to listen, uh, even if we know also how corporate are. Even, you know, the, the, the project manager you are talking with maybe understand, but then, you know, all the other people and the legal and the compliance and the finance and the branding, uh, all of them need also to listen. And this is where it's coming more complicated, I guess. Um, but so, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's really, um, yeah, I, I feel like, you know, this is, you, you, you feel like at the end of the day, you know, this is really a, a, a key question, you know, for the digital, uh, do you think legacy brands can make it? I, I think they'll figure it out. I think it'll be a lot of trial and error and understanding that it's a very different way of doing business and that they're used to. But I, I do think that, you know, listen, legacy brands have much larger balance sheets than like an upstart NFT project, right? So an upstart NFT project kind of needs to get things right out of the gate. Whereas I think a larger, um, a larger legacy company can afford to make a mistake because, you know, they obviously have other lines of business that, that can help offset um, a mistake here and there. But I do think that I, I think the more holistic their approach is to the space, the more likely they are to succeed. And I think when there's buy-in from the top, that's when you're going to get the most successful results. Yeah, uh, thank you so much for sharing that. And to be honest, me personally, like I'm excited to see when brands like Supreme or a bathing ape, like they start joining. Um, because me personally, you know, I, I've been a fan, like I've been buying their stuff for so long. So I'm quite curious to see how they decide to step in, in this space and if they decide to step in this space. But moving on, um, as I was preparing to this podcast, you know, I, I was uh, reading more about you and the G-Money brand, listening to some stuff. And I saw that you have a, a lot of cool um, stories to share, I guess. So I want to ask you a question. Um, first of all, like, is there a person uh, who had like a big positive impact in your career, uh, especially in NFTs? 
And then do you think you also had a big, a big impact on someone else's career uh, within the NFT space? Um, okay. Somebody who had a big positive impact within NFTs in my career, probably Snowfro. <clears throat> I'd say Snowfro uh, is, is one of them. And I'd say Derek Edwards uh, is another one in terms of guys that I think are just like next level smart, uh, thinking about the space years be- beyond like, you know, where, where most people are. And yeah, just being able to bounce ideas off them of, hey, this is what I'm thinking and, and getting their confirmation of like, yeah, I think that makes sense. Or, you know, what about this? Or what about that? Like, even, you know, the Snowfro collaboration that we did a few months ago at Art Basel, I mean, that just really started because I was telling him about what I wanted to do. And he's like, oh my God. And we started talking about generative clothes and we were talking about, oh, like, you know, this would be really cool to do. And, you know, for the longest time, it was just an idea. But that idea ultimately led to what I consider like an amazing collaboration. And I know Snowfro is really happy with it as well. And, you know, something that I think over over the course of time is going to be considered something to be super, I think, iconic. And, you know, one of one of the first and, and proof of concept of, of a design and an idea and bringing it to fruition. So I think, I think that those two have been really helpful to me in my, in my NFT career. And I think with regards to, to helping others, I, I mean, the first person that comes to mind is I think Justin Aversano in terms of, um, I remember the first time we spoke, he tried selling me uh, the entire twin flames collection as one NFT uh, for a hundred thousand dollars. And like my feedback to him was, why don't you just break it up into a hundred NFTs at a thousand dollars? And I thought he was going to come back in like two or three months telling me that he sold it out. And it was really like two or three days. And you know, that, then that launched the beginning of, of his career in the space and he's gone on to do some really amazing things. So uh, yeah, I'd say maybe him, but I, I, there, I think there are a lot of artists like him who um, especially two years ago, especially early on when there weren't that many people um, talking about NFTs out there, uh, helping bring these people on and <clears throat> helping onboard these people onto the space and then see them pay it forward uh, and create their own communities and create their, you know, become uh, apostles for adoption. I love how you, you joined the space and, and you went immediately you know to connect with the right people i mean uh, snowfro had a big impact on you how do you uh, got friends with him in the first place um well i mean it was really when i i ended up minting a bunch of squiggles the funny story is when i found out about squiggles um i went to the website and you had to you know there was ten thousand of them i think when i started minting them, it was somewhere in the 1700s and I said, okay, I want to buy, I wanted to buy 500 of them. And I tried to figure out how to do a batch mint because I didn't want to sit there for like an hour and, and mint a bunch of these. And I tried finding the discord, the discord at that time wasn't in the Twitter profile. So I literally just went back to the website and I sat there, I think for like 45 minutes or something, just hitting mint over and over again. And at the end of, of that first session, um, and, and I remember thinking is like, okay, I'm going to start minting at 1700 
and I'm I was gonna mint all the way to like twenty one hundred was was what I told myself because I was like, all right, maybe some of these numbers are gonna become important dates in history where people are gonna want the year that their parent was born or the year they were born or the year their kid was born. So I was like, I'm gonna just sit here and try to mint straight through twenty one hundred, and I sat there for like forty five minutes. And at the end of those 45 minutes, I go in to check like, you know, the discords that I was already in, you know, for projects where I had already started buying stuff and somebody had recognized my wallet and sent me the link to the Artblocks discord. And I clicked on it. I go in the Artblocks discord and I just saw like people, people were kind of going nuts. Like it's because I, I basically started a run because like I said, some people wanted the year they were born, the year 2000, the year 2020. So you can see like in, in some of the mints, like where I would mint like seven or eight in a row, but then somebody wanted a specific year or a couple people wanted a specific year. And then there would be a bunch of mints that I missed because I was just sitting there hitting mint over and over again. And they were trying to time it for the year uh, that, that they wanted. And it was really like after, after that, like Snowfro, Snowfro was literally in the Discord telling me, he's like, what are you doing? You need to buy a zombie. Don't waste your money on Squiggles. Um, and him, Nate, Alex, a couple other guys, Justin Trimble, uh, they were all in the Discord. And they were like, you know, I was I was talking to them about punks and they were educating me on them. And it wasn't even like they were just like, oh, yeah, like, let's dump our bags on this guy. Like, they were just really like, hey, like, if you want to be like, if you want to own like the creme de la creme, like, you know, you have to own a crypto punk. And, and that's when I got like red pilled on them. I, I ended up buying uh, my zombie from uh, Nate Alex. And then literally a month later is when I bought the, the ape from, uh, I think it's vape ape. I think the vape ape sold me that, but yeah. And, and like, it was, it was just all by, by chance, but also you have to realize that in late 2020, the NFT market was just so much smaller. Like I, when I came into the space, I said, I want to allocate $100,000 into NFTs and I want to allocate $5,000 into each project. And at the time, $5,000 was a lot. Like I would, I would sweep the floor on something and then I'd be talking to people and I'd be like, oh, what do you recommend? Like what other projects um, do you think I should be, I should be buying? And they'd be like, whoa, whoa, relax. Like don't put all your money in one project. Like, you know, who is this whale? And like, you know, today, like $5,000, you know, like a lot of the, a lot of the blue chips you're priced out. And so it was just a very different market and it was much smaller at that time. So it was much easier to kind of start talking to people and, you know, pretty much all, most of the people that we say are like OGs in the space, like they're, they all know each other because they you know, were hanging out in discords together for two or three years when there was probably like, I don't know, 500 to a thousand people on the planet trading nfts you know so that's why that's why a lot like pretty much all of them know each other is because they spend a lot of time together in discord and do you think there's uh like a new crew of ogs being formed now i'm like now it's the bear market most of the people left all the projects are going to shit literally um, so do you think like when the next bull market comes, uh, the, the things that are being created now are like possible, I, I don't want to say future punks, but, uh, will perform as well as these projects and, um, and the community that is being formed now is also be like as strong as when you were, um, in the bull market with those OGs. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that's kind of the nature of markets and the nature of cyclicality is that, you know, there's going to be new entrants that um, perform really well. 
you know, each and every cycle. And just because there was the leader last cycle, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be a leader next cycle. I think that's just, you know, the nature of markets. Um, what those are, right, um, is much harder to figure out than them figuring out that there will be new ones. And, you know, the next, the next, the, the darling of the next bull market might not even be in existence yet, right? Like if, you know, you look at Bored Apes in um, 20, in they, they didn't exist till May of 2021, right? Um, they, you know, so it's like, it, it really, they can come out of nowhere and, um, what that you know secret sauce of of a project that that really catches everyone's imagination is you know is going to be different every single time and i think that that's one of those things is you just have to be on the lookout for them but i like your guess is as good as mine is is to which one that is um i have a question so two of your main big bets were punks and squiggles and both of them are projects that are independent of the founders. So uh, it's completely like community driven and the, the price goes up and down, like whether if people like the art or not. Was that on purpose uh, or, or just happened by chance? Uh, yeah, that, that just happened by chance, to be perfectly honest. is I mean, yeah, I, it just happened by chance because it, it's, I mean, I, I took a portfolio theory approach, right? Like I, I wanted to diversify. I made a lot of bets if you look at, you know, my wallet and, you know, not all of them panned out. Some of them panned out, you know, to varying degrees, but, you know, I, but that's the way I structured um, the the portfolio when I did it, right? It's like all I need is one or two winners and that will more than pay for all the losers, and and that's just the way I constructed it. So you know, to to think that you're gonna bat a thousand and and be right ten out of ten times is is um you know a little short sighted. Uh, but you know, you only it, the beautiful thing about business, and I always use this analogy is like to make the Hall of Fame in baseball, you need to bat three hundred, which means that every time you you step up to to bat, you need to hit the ball three out of ten times, right? And that sends you to the Hall of Fame. That makes you one of the best players that that ever played the game. But like in business, you don't even need to be that good, right? Like you only need to be right once out of you know x many times, right? And you could be you you only need to be right once and do it well. And I think that that is like one of the misconceptions that a lot of people have is like, oh, like in order to be successful, like I have to be right like ninety plus percent of the time, or you know have this really high hit rate. In reality, that's not the case, right? And I, I think maybe I think about this a lot because I was a professional trader, so I, I did know my numbers and I knew my hit rate, and I knew yeah, that, that you that's know, really I was, yeah, I was, that's yeah, really interesting yeah. that you know you have a portfolio approach, and I think uh, that's really nice. And this is what you learn, you know, when you learn finance. But it's the kind of opposite of a lot of what a lot of people say in crypto that are. A conviction bet, I would say, uh, where they allocate the biggest part of their uh, allocation into one project uh do do you you believe that yeah the portfolio approach is is more interesting yeah i mean i think it's safer right i think it's it's for sure much safer i think that uh it makes more sense and, and that being said is you know i had my portfolio approach but i still put way i i you know i put way more i i said i was going to put a hundred thousand dollars into the nft space I put uh, $100,000 into CryptoPunks alone, plus like everything else I did, because I felt like the opportunity was really good. So like I had my rules, but you also, 
you know, have to know when to break them. And admittedly, I, I, I'm very disciplined from a trading perspective uh, because I have so much experience doing it. And I think in order to survive over a long time period, the number one thing you need as, as a trader is discipline in being able to manage risk. But I also know when I'm willing to make a bigger bet. Um, but I do think overall you want to be taking that portfolio approach because you can't put all your, like who knows what, what tomorrow brings, right? Like there, you know, world war could break out tomorrow. There could be a nuclear bomb that drops, right? Like, you know, we're, we're going through a, what seems like it's the beginning of a banking crisis right now. And, and so like, you don't know what's going to happen. So because of that, you know, you need to have some sort of diversification where, you know, God forbid, like a founder, you know, gets hit by a bus, right? Like what happens to the project, right? Like all these things of like, how do you keep things in place, um, you know, to, to minimize this risk for those outside events that you can't account for, right? Because the, the riskiest things that like exist in any investment or any decision that you're going to make are, are the things that you don't know, right? And understanding that you're not going to know everything is one step up um, of understanding risk and risk mitigation, because the thing that's going to come for you, like the black swan event is what it's called in, in financial markets is really the thing that nobody's thinking about, right? The thing that everybody's thinking about, people are already actively preparing for. And so it's technically not going to quote unquote, come out of nowhere. And so, you know, one of the things that diversification gives you is a lot more uh, cushion against those black swan events. No, totally makes sense. Just you know about the black swans also, and just not the the the, the wrong, the, the the other collection you know that were part of your your portfolio that uh, end up to zero. Can you just name some of them? You know, for people who's been there before, just to remind uh, which kind of project you you were in and that were to zero. Oh man, um, I don't know. I try to I try not to think about them. <laughs> usually, my my the way the way I operate usually is like. I think about, um, I'll think about things like if I make the wrong decision, I'll think about them. I'll be like, okay, what could I have done better? I learn from it and then I move on and then I, I try to take it out of my mind because I can't necessarily dwell on shoulda, coulda, woulda. Like this, I even do this with like winners where, you know, for I'll sell stuff way too early, but I'll be like, oh, okay. Like I sold it too early. That sucks. But I never count like the money I could have made because To me, that's just, you know, a mental exercise that just isn't conducive to anybody. It's to say, okay, what, how could I have done that better? Learn from that and now like forget about it, right? Because you don't want that necessarily influencing your decision uh, of, of making the right decision the next time that something similar like that happens. So I'm sure there's a ton of stuff that I've minted, uh, but also again, because of, um, diversification like i've never put you know like 10 of my net worth into one project and having it riding on everything so because of that the amounts are really small that if if it makes it great if it if it doesn't make it i'm also not losing sleep over it uh which is why i think it makes it really hard for me to think of like the bad ones but there are definitely bad ones in there that i minted them and you know nothing ever came oh yeah but of course listen, no, that's, but that... like that's kind of the nature of, of the course game, right that's kind of like What's going no, no, I'm asking the question because Arthur noticed, you know, that two of your big ones are to project without utility to make it simple, so not related to the founders. But I believe also at the moment, you know, you made your main investment uh, late 2020, early 2021. You have no, most of the project had no utilities. Actually, it was mainly about 
uh, art collections or just collections for fun. So this is why, you know, I was asking the question because I believe that also the space changed, you know, uh, I would say with board apes, especially. And uh, I did this, you know, utility point. And so this is why I wanted to have your view of it. Uh, yeah, so to, to that point, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head is I think when board apes came onto the scene, that's when utility started being thrown around as a buzzword. But before that, like nobody nobody ever talked about utility, right? And so you were buying stuff for for the artwork, right? You weren't buying stuff because the creator was gonna add more value to to the to the NFT. So, you know, I, I felt like in, in late twenty twenty, early twenty twenty one, a lot of it was very similar to the contemporary art market where it's like, okay, um, this is a bet on, you know, this collection of this creator and, you know, this is you know, I, 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 I'm going to take a stance on it. Right. And the same way in the art world that some artists blow up and some artists don't, um, I, I felt like very similar. I think the introduction of utility, um, beginning with board apes and afterwards, like I, I think I, I was, I'm much less active in those partly because I think that the market had already started exploding and, you know, I already had like good positions on and, and even now, like the reason why, I won't sell like my squiggles or, you know, my high value collections is because people are like, Oh, well, you know, you should diversify and buy something else. And, you know, I'm like, well, why should I chase something that might give me like a hundred X return um, or, or more, but it can also go to zero when I can own my squiggles. And if squiggles go up five to 10 X from here, I'm still going to be very, very happy. Um, and I don't, I don't necessarily have to risk worry about them going to zero yeah you know so it's like they're significantly de-risked it's always depend on the moment you come in the space this is why you know i believe you know people uh you know who were there late 2020 early 2021 missed some other stuff of course because you cannot be everywhere and you you missed maybe i don't know yeah the solana wave or some other stuff you know that what happened well, you had opportunities, but for people who came at this moment to NFTs, and uh, I believe it's always depend on, on that. But of course, you know, at the moment you have some grades that are extremely valuable. And of course, you are also attached and you have strong belief like Squiggles and Punk. Yeah, you know, it does not make sense. Or, or maybe you can risk one out of a lot, but most of the time it does not make sense to take the risk, yeah. Yeah, and, and you just need to be calculated with it, right? Like the way the way I thought about NFTs um, then, and and even now, I think this is the framework that I think about it is. I, I see crypto as an option that doesn't expire, right? Which I think is amazing, and I think if you were to look at you know some of the people, the wealthiest people in history, they've been able to find options that don't expire, and for me, NFTs were options on those options, right? So like. The convexity on that trade, it being a second derivative, is so massive, right? So that if you're right, you're going to make such a huge ROI. And if you're wrong, the most you can lose is 100%, right? Because you don't need to take leverage in that bet. Because if you're right, you're going to make so much money that you don't need to necessarily risk um, more than you have. And, you, and, and that's why you've seen so many people in the space come in with small amounts of money and make large amounts of money is because you don't need leverage in crypto. Like that's, you know, you need leverage in, in real estate, you need leverage in, in equities because those are very mature markets where, you know, you to find those, you know, 
10 to 100x returns is very, very hard. But in, in crypto, you know, because of the, the democratization of access to uh, whether it's, you know, uh, a DeFi uh, project or whether it's an NFT protocol or, or whatever, right? Like people have access to this stuff that you generally don't in publicly traded equities. And so for that reason, like using leverage is, is not something that you need to do. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I firmly believe all, all those things. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And Jiman, it's been awesome to have you here with us. Uh, before we finish off, I, I do wanted to ask you one last question. Um, you've been able to spot squiggles very early. You, you minted a bunch of them. I, I mean, you bought your CryptoPunk for 148, which at the time was completely absurd. Um, I mean, you certainly have a, a different way to look at things. And I think everyone in the audience would appreciate, uh, I mean, if you can share some insight on how to, um, how to spot a great opportunity, you know, on this macro level, because now it's the bear market. Uh, we will go to the bull market. What are you looking at? What advice can you give people? Man, um, I, I think it's, it's just very difficult. It, it's funny because, you know, the investment themes that exist today are very different than the investment themes that existed two years ago. Um, I'm spending a lot of time in in fashion and digital fashion because I do think that I think it's going to be a massive market over the next five to ten years, and I'm spending ninety plus percent of my time um, on ninety CC. So I'm not necessarily looking at a lot of like other projects out there in general, but. I, I'll say this is like if you using that as as my as my example is that that's where I'm spending most of my time because I think that's where the most upside is in the space over the next five to ten years. I think probably gaming is one of those spots as well. I'm just not a gamer, so I can't sit there and be like, oh, this this is the game that's that's going to make it. But uh, I feel like I I have a more of an edge, uh, a competitive edge in fashion, and I I think that's where I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities over the next few years. Well, awesome, man. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, it's been awesome to have you here. Um, John, I don't know if you have any last words. No, yeah, it was a pleasure to have you. Uh, it was great also, you know, that you came to Paris, you know, for NFT Paris. And so uh, wanted to know if you had any plan, you know, to come back to Europe soon. I'll probably back in Europe. I'll probably be back in Europe in June, uh, and I'll probably be there for a few weeks this summer. So uh, I'll be I'll be bumming around. You know, Europe. you know that um, you know I, that there is a great conference in June in Lisbon, Portugal. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe we'll talk. Maybe I'll make my way over there. I I didn't really have plans to head over to Lisbon, but. We can talk offline and see. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, thank you, G. It was a pleasure to have you for this episode. And thank you again for your time. Uh, I hope everybody you appreciate. And, uh, you know, it's uh, all the links uh, are online on the podcast. So you can, you know, follow 90CC, especially, you know, the iteration number three that should come, uh, you know, in less than one month from now. So, you know, stay tuned, you know, to follow uh, that because, yeah, it looks pretty, pretty exciting. And we are excited, you know, to follow what you are doing. And it will be launched at the very beginning at NFT NYC. So, yeah, can't wait to see that. Uh, thank you, Arthur. 
And uh, yeah, stay tuned, you know, uh, for the next uh, NFT morning that will happen actually tomorrow morning. Uh, and uh, it's going to be about legal session actually and about copyright. So we'll talk about it. Thank you very much. Take care.